0: Extend a welcome to you this morning in the name of Jesus. Turn in your Bibles to John chapter 10. I'd like to read uh, verses 1 through 18. John 10 verses 1 through 18. Very familiar passage of scripture. I want to pick one verse out of this passage and one word out of this passage and build my sermon around that this morning. John 10, verse 1. Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were which he spake unto them. Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not hear them. I am the door by me. If any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is in harrowing and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth. And the wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The harrowing fleeth because he is in harrowing and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and know one of mine. As the father knoweth me, even so know I the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring and they shall hear my voice and they shall be, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Therefore doth my father love me because I lay down my life that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. Very, very powerful passage of Scripture that we could talk about endlessly almost. The one verse that I want to focus on this morning is in uh, verse 10. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. You know, I was thinking about life and, uh, you know, we're in, in the northern hemisphere and spring is a time of, of, of our environment, our surroundings, it starts coming back to life. The grass starts turning green, the trees start budding and shoots are pushing up out of the dirt. We talk about spring as a time of life. And uh, so that was some of my thinking process as I thought about this message, but I thought about it from a spiritual perspective you know that we are we am i experiencing the abundant life that Jesus calls us to in John 10 here you know what it says there in verse 6 it says but they understood not what things they which he which he spake unto them and then he went on to explain it and that's the kind of master the shepherd Jesus is he wants us to understand and as we just sang he leadeth me do you feel that god is leading you through this life experience we you know, my my frame of reference is a word we oftentimes use to describe life, and and my frame of reference is different than anybody else here this morning. My thinking process, we have a lot of similarities, but you know, my experiences have been different. Your experiences have been different. We look through the lenses somewhat of our gender. You know, that taints our our perspective somewhat, uh, and, and that's that's good. I think it's the way it should be. That's the way God planned it. But there are so many similarities that we can still associate and get along. We complement each other in our different. Even in our different experiences in life. And that's the value of of learning and having friends that come alongside of you. As I was this week, um, I'm going to do something just a little bit different this morning. I'm going to invite all of you to participate in during the sermon this morning. So this morning, if you feel like this hymn writer says we should count our blessings. And uh, I'm I'm going to start here. So if you feel like there's something that you want to share with the group, a uh, blessing that we ought to be counting, I want you to take this marker here, come up and, and pen it. Uh, men, women, children. And we're not going to grade you for penmanship or spelling. Okay, Don? <laughs> uh, because, you know, I, I don't think my God does either. I don't want to say that carefully because God understands. Even if I, even the spelling is wrong, you know, God will understand it, even if we can't understand it. Uh, but uh, so I have one thing as I thought about uh, a blessing, and I don't know if this marker is going to endure. Maybe I have to change my tactics here. I used to keep one of my suit coat pocket, and I couldn't find that this morning either. So, oh wait, that's wrong, isn't it? I've got to let that there just for the purpose. Um, anyway, this week I had a, uh, an eye exam, and I, I my eyes are very, very sensitive. I, I don't like people messing with my eyes, and uh, my wife would attest to that. She's not here, wasn't feeling well this morning, but uh, I had been procrastinating this for probably over a year, and uh, finally uh, my general practitioner said, you've got to go get your eyes examined because my father had glaucoma, and uh, my mom had diabetes, and she says, those are threats to your eyes. And uh, I don't know how long it had. I, I asked her there at the desk how long it was, and she couldn't find it, so I don't know how long it was. But uh, probably not a wise thing to do. But anyway, I was uh, introduced to telemedicine, and I was, I was somewhat impressed. Anybody familiar? Anybody else have experience with telemedicine where the doctor, actually the optometrist in this case, was not actually there in the room? Well, there was a girl that facilitated things that uh, put me through all the paces and, you know, worked manipulated the machinery to do my eye test. And uh, then she took me to another ro- little room and she said, well, the doctor will be with you shortly. And so I'm sitting there waiting after, but the screen on the wall comes alive, and lo and behold, here's the doctor, and he's talking to me. And uh, he brought up the uh He showed to me the, the pictures that they had taken of my retina and discussed them with me. We communicated back and forth, but he was off somewhere else. I don't know where he was. Uh, the phone number, he had his contact number there. It was 6610. Is that Twin Cities area? Maybe? I'm not sure. But, uh, I was actually kind of impressed. Uh, now the last time I had my exam, they, they dilated my pupils and I, I don't like that. I, it does not, it's not pleasant and that's, I, so I was anticipating that this time. I figured, well, they're going to do that. She said, no, we don't do that right now. She said, we're, we're going to take pictures of your retina and then we, de- we decide, the, our doctor decides whether we need to dilute the pupil. And then in that case, the doctor would have to be there. But, uh, so anyway, I was, I was dreading this and I was relieved when it was all done. And, uh, he told me, he said, well, he said, we got good news. He said, we can help you to see better. And, uh, so he said, but he said, I don't see any point in, in that we have to dilate your pupils. And, uh, so uh, we had a, I had a good experience. That was one thing I was thankful for. I had a good eye exam, and uh, you know, those are things that that we we face in life. Those are things that uh, you know to think of going through life without the ability to see is is something that to me is is somewhat almost incomprehensible. But you know, there are people that do not have that blessing, and uh, so I'm I'm counting on the doctor to uh, tune up my eyes here again, but. Uh, so if you throughout out the sermon here, one at a time, if you have something you want to mark on the board, and I'm hoping this marker will hang together. We'll go as far as the Lord makes that marker last. Maybe it'll get darker, I don't know. But uh, you come up, put the number, and we'll see how many things we have to be thankful for. But uh, thinking about life, am I experiencing the abundant life? And this morning I have four points. Um, the first one is, is I have the, the points that are in acrostic, each letter of the word. So the first one is is L, and uh, it's a capital L. Life L, and I think the important thing we want to think about in in relation to life is the dimension of love. What the dimension of love adds to life. Uh, you know, I, I like to challenge you with that. If if you take love out of life, you have nothing but a mere existence. Take away love, you know, it's toleration, isn't it? Mere existence. And I like to say that's like living life in black and white. Uh, I rather enjoy life in color. And uh if you want to put love into life, and I think we need love, and I want to look at some scriptures in relation to that, life love and life adds color. And I guess the challenge I want to ask myself and you this morning is are we living life simply in black and white rather than color? Turn with me to the to first John chapter four in my study bible uh my niv study bible entitled these verses here in 1 John 4 it said god's love versus our love and that's a challenge that uh, as I, I appreciated that heading in of those verses in 1 John 4 beginning at verse 7 i want to read verse uh, 7 through verse 21 the end of that last verse in that chapter of John 4. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and every one that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent his only begotten Son into the world that we might live. Notice that. We might live through him. Here in his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the perpetuation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man hath seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in him, and he in us, because he hath given us of his Spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God... The man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him that we, that he who loveth God love his brother also. Number of things I want to just uh, pick out of this chapter here in first John chapter four is the proof of our relationship with God. Notice that it says, beloved, let us love one another for love is of God and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. It's, it's uh um, it's a proof it's evidence of our relationship to god and our connection with him our ability to love is is uh is is gives us a direct connection to god the one of the things that challenged me here is it doesn't give us a lot of disclaimers or exclusions uh we love because of who god is we love because of of how god loved us and uh it doesn't Nowhere in the scripture do I find a lot, of, a lot of disclusions or uh, excuses or disclaimers saying we simply love regardless. Having trouble. <clears throat> One of the questions as we think of of love is. And I need to ask myself, as we think about love, and we need to give it serious consideration, is how deserving were, was I of God's love? And you know, in all honesty, I need to admit that I really was not deserving. There's nothing that I could, that I have done that I deserved God's love. While we were yet sinners, God loved us. So we are undeserving of God's love. In all honesty, none of us here this morning have anything Anything lovely about us that that God should have loved us? Sorry to tell you that, but that's the fact. That's the truth. We were sinners. We were lost. We were undeserving of God's love. Notice verse eleven, beloved. If God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. And that's a very simple statement, but you know, uh, when it comes down to practicality, uh, you know what are the what are the practical expressions of love? What are their practical expressions, expressions of love? It says, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. Very simple statement, but we need to find, we need to flesh that out. We need to be able to, to, uh, like we talked in the Sunday school lesson, be able to count on our brother to come alongside of us and encourage us. I just finished reading a book by, uh, and I'm not even sure who the author of it was, but it was about Ed No and Ed Baylor. Uh, any of you know of Ed Nolte? Langford County man. This is a relative of mine, not real close, but in, in that book, one of the things that stood out to me about that story, uh, and it talks about primarily about his contribution to the agriculture industry. He designed the Nodder of the baler, and uh, you know we're benefited by that yet today. And uh, he was numerous times. He was discouraged. He was going to give up. throw in the town, he was done with it. And, but yet there was always somebody there that came alongside of him and encouraged him and, and, you know, and and had a, you know, told him to keep on going. And, uh, you know, from, uh, from his little shop at Farmersville, that's Clean's, close to Clean's home ground, I guess, but from his little shop there in Farmersville to, uh, down to Kinder's to, uh, Art Young's shop and then from Art Young's shop to the New Holland machine complex there at New Holland. You know, and it, it just kept kept growing and growing. But, you know, there was there were times when he was, you know, and his parents probably, I think at one uh, cites one incident where his, his mother told him, he said, uh, you know, maybe you ought to just focus on farming and forget about the invention process. And uh, that was not his interest. He uh, There was a time that he, he left everything, shut, you know, shut locked up the shop and uh, went and farmed for a period of time. But yet he just couldn't quite let it rest. He kept coming back, and others would come alongside of him. And, uh, another thing that stood out to me and, and, Ed never forgot was one of his school teachers berated him for his, his lack of interest in scholarly things. And she told him that you'll never amount to anything. And he never forgot that. Now, whether that was good or bad, I guess i would let you be the judge, but, uh, it was kind of a challenge to him because he, uh. You know it worked out differently than what uh, she had prophesied, but it might also served as a little bit of motivation to him too that maybe he was going to prove her wrong but uh, uh, anyway, so as I thought about you know coming alongside, you know where would have Ed ended up at if he where would the notters be on our bailers today if if somebody hadn 't encouraged him and came along maybe we 'd still have somebody with a seat. Maybe the bailers would still have a seat there for somebody to do the hand tying i don 't know or putting the blocks in. And again, that's going back beyond my time. But uh, another thing I want to mention from 1 John 4 here, uh, again, we need the practical expressions of love to others. It needs to be practical. It needs to be fleshed out. It needs to happen. And uh, I think verse 13, I, I think this is what I wanted to mention that I mentioned in Sunday school. Uh, verse 13, Hereby know we that we dwell in him, and he in us because he hath given us of his spirit. Um, that's not exactly the verse I was thinking of, but uh, the blessing. Okay, I know what I wanted to do. In John 14, verse 26, it mentions that. It says, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in My name, He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. So we have the blessing of God's Holy Spirit living within us, telling us and, and directing us to how to to flesh out that love. To our fellow man, so I believe, as we see here in verse thirteen, hereby know we that we dwell in Him, and He in us, because He has given us His Spirit. God's Spirit is needs to be the controlling, just as we talked about on a Sunday school lesson. It needs to be the controlling uh, force, direction in our lives to, uh, as we relate to one another, and as we relate to our fellow man, and then the blessing of God's Spirit. Uh, teaching us and leading us. God's Spirit will direct us, I believe, in practical ways. We may not always know. Uh, Prayers in others' behalf. Perhaps we talked about listening, and and that ties in with our Sunday school lesson. I believe there's times we need to just give a listening ear. Uh, There's gifts of time, there's gifts of material things, etc., and there's gifts of anonymous, uh, ways behind the scenes that maybe no one knows. And I think that can be a, a powerful way too. Because we are taken out of the, out of the picture completely and God receives the credit. God receives the glory directly. And it's not, and that was again, uh, another one of, uh, Ed's strong points. Uh, at some point later in his life, there was a college student wanted to have an interview with him and ask him some questions about what, you know, the college student was writing an article about uh, agriculture and inventions and they wanted to interview him. And he said, but the only way he'll agree to an interview is if they don't use his name, period. He said, I don't want to receive any allocates for this. And he said, "Uh, you're gonna have to refer to him. And the the college student uh, uh, consented to that stipulation. And so in the article he referred to simply as, a Pennsylvania or Lancaster County farmer and uh, so he did not want any personal allocates or recognition for what he had accomplished at that point and uh, I think that's a good uh, good perspective to have anything that I have accomplished anything any of us have accomplished really so small in relation to what God has done in our lives isn't it true you may be the best of whatever, and that's that's great. I think we ought to be the best of whatever, but pass that glory on to God, because He's what has made us what we are. <clears throat> Verse 12 talks about, No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and His love is perfected in us. God's love is perfected in us. As we we share it out, God's love is perfected as we share it you know love isn't love until it's shared it it needs to it needs to have expression love needs to have expression and then when it has expression that's when it's perfected god's love will you and i allow ourselves to be a channel of god's love through which his love can can flow verse 9 in this was manifested the love of God toward us because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. There's no question in regards to God's love for us. But what about us? Is there any question about my love, my commitment to my fellow man? Are there questions? You know, God's... There, there's absolutely no question. There's no, no doubt. Greater love has no man than this that a man lay down his life for his friend. And, and Jesus exemplified that in giving his life a ransom for many. Challenge, as I think about my first point of love, first letter of life, it needs to be capitalized. Love is an integral part of our life experience. Are you living it in black and white? Are you living life in color? If you infuse love into your life It'll change from black and white to color, and the closer we are to God, the more we will understand God's love, and the more meaning and purpose that we'll experience in life. I think that's what First John here is telling us about. The closer we walk to God, the more we experience His love, the more we'll understand about God, and the more God can use us. Now, coming to the second part of second point of my message, and that's the letter I, and that stands for not other than you and I. In life. Um, we're all in life together. I like to suggest that life, the I in life always needs to be a small I. Never, never capitalize that I. It wouldn't look right. It wouldn't be good grammar. It wouldn't be good uh, whatever. Spiritual truth. It needs to always be small. We need to keep that I small. Our experiences are different, as I mentioned. Um, you know, the resources that we draw on, uh, the experiences in life. First John 3.16. Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Right there, we have it. We ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Again, that big I has no place in the letter life. We need to keep it small. We need to be willing to lay down our life. Let God add the meaning and dimension of life to your experience. I thought of the hymn, and it's not in, I don't think it's in any of our hymn books here, it's in the hymnary not I but Christ be honored. And uh I think I remember the first time I ever let this song probably down at Bible school. But you know, the, the first stanza of that song is 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 written so unique because the whole note, that first whole uh stanza there is is a whole note. And uh you know, you think that there's not many songs that are written that way. This is the only one that I know of. Are there other songs? Anybody know of any other songs that are written where there one whole stanza is a whole note? If you remember me leading that dawn, you probably remember used were in Montana yet. I don't know. But it was a new, my wife knew it and, and she wanted me to lead it and I, as I remember, I, I was like, wow, that's a different one for me. But, uh, not I, but Christ be honored. You know, and you got to, you have that whole phrase, that whole stanza in that one beat. Not I, but Christ be honored, loved, exalted. Not I, but Christ be seen, be known, be heard. Not I, but Christ in every look and action. Not I, but Christ in every thought and word. Not I but Christ so gent- Not I but Christ to gently soothe and sorrow. Not I but Christ to wipe a- the solemn tear. Not I but Christ to lift the weary burden. Not I but Christ to hush away all fear. Not I but Christ in lowly, silent labor. Not I but Christ in humble, earnest toil. Christ only Christ to show no ostination. Christ none but Christ the gatherer of the spoil. Christ only Christ ere long will fill my vision. Glory exceeding soon, full soon, I'll see. Christ only Christ, my every wish fulfilling. Christ only Christ, my all in all to be. And that certainly is a very powerful message. If we can live that song, we can live that hymn, it, it, it'll get us home to glory. The third point of my message is the letter F. And I, I struggled a little with that letter because there, there were several points that could have fit in here, but I, I settled on the, the the word first, and that's the idea of establishing priorities in life. Faith would have been another one that could have fit in there because I think faith is a very integral part of our relationship with God. But uh, and there perhaps could be others, but first is as I think of the aspect of priorities, I think we need to ask God to help you and I to establish priorities for life. We need to know what is important. What does God view as a priority in my life? You know, life is way too short to become sidetracked. And the older I get, the more I realize that there's things that I'm probably not going to get done in my lifetime. And and it's part of life. But the important thing is that I've got the important things done. (laughs) And uh, we need God to help us to establish that. First of all, as I think of establishing priorities, is, is God needs to be first in my relationships. God needs to be first. You get that priority right, and it will help you establish all the other priorities in their right way. And that's number two. That's others, family, brethren, neighbors. Number three is is work. The idea of rest, uh, work and rest in balance. Uh, and then number four are the non-essentials. There are some things that really don't matter, and I think there's there's a little bit of room for non-essentials, uh, for, for for in a minimal way. But again, let me just reiterate: God first in my relationship. I need to focus on that. Give Him first priority, first time. Secondly, others, my family, my brethren, my neighbors; those are second. I need to take time for that. Thirdly, I need to. Ha- I, it's proper that we work. It's proper that we rest. And then last, the non-essentials. You know, the motto that so many of us are familiar with, only one life will soon be passed, and only what's done for Christ will last. I think we need to start daily prioritizing. You know, I, I think that's where uh, where the pattern is set, one day at a time. That's the, the dose that God dispenses our life in, one day at a time. We need to start with that one day. Uh, we can have a big picture, and there's nothing wrong with that. That maybe five years down the road, or one year down the road, or ten years down the road, this is where you want to be. But make sure it's what God wants. And uh, But again, start one day at a time with your prioritizing, because that's, I think, where the pattern is set. And I think as you do it one day at a time, it will evolve into a lifetime of doing important things that God can bless. the fourth point of my uh message is that of the letter e and that has to do with the eternal dimension of life and that's that's a difficult one for me to talk about because i have not experienced uh eternity as as you know it's something off in the distance yet but you know with this letter with this word life look right if i move the letter way e over here it needs to be right in line with my life experience. I believe we need to, and, I, and what I'm trying to say is we need to develop a consciousness of eternity daily. We need to have it in our, in, in our minds in a conscious way. Because that's how close eternity is. Eternity really isn't very far away for any one of us sitting here this morning. It really isn't. It's one breath away. Or almost one breath away. Uh... Depends on who the medics are and how fast they are, but you know what, really it don't matter. They can't, re- they can't bring you back if your time is up. Is that right, Justin? <laughs> to a certain degree, that's putting you on the spot. But, <laughs> uh, but that E needs to be there in that word. We need to keep that eternal dimension of life in focus. You know, it's something we talk about, something we read about, and it's something that we look forward to. But yet we have questions about it. I have questions about eternity. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 19. <clears throat> Matthew 19 verses 16 through 30. Notice this. Talk about having questions about eternity. And behold, one came and said unto him, Good Master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? Now I that letter I is, seems to be pretty big. I don't know if that stood out to you or not, but it did to me. Verse 17, And he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. He saith unto him, Which? Jesus said, Thou shalt do no murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The young man saith unto him, All these things have I kept from my youth up, What lack I yet? Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, and give to the poor. And thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. And when the young man heard that, saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, Verily I say unto you, that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And again I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. When his disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus beheld them and said, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Then answered Peter and said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all and follow thee. What shall we have therefore? And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you that ye which have followed me in the regeneration when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, ye shall also sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone that hath forsaken houses, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my name's sake, shall receive an hundredfold, and shall receive everlasting life. But many that are first shall be last, and the last shall be first. Well, it's interesting. We have this, young, this man coming here, one coming, and asking this question. What do we need to do? Jesus somewhat seems to deflect the question. Before I get to that, I want to as, as you look at the the man's question going to Romans chapter six verse twenty three it, it seems like he had in his thought that there's something he has to do that is is going to secure or lock in eternal life. And I want you to consider Romans chapter six verse twenty three. It says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Eternal life this morning is a gift from God. Again, there are things we need to do, and I'll look at that here just in a little bit. There are things that we need to do, but the gift, eternal life is a gift from God. And I think that's perhaps where that, that man had it wrong. He was focusing on the I, what I have done, what I have done. And rather than recognizing his need of the redemption, the redemptive work of Jesus Christ, <clears throat> Jesus somewhat deflects the question with a discussion on the on the source of goodness, and we see that there. He said, uh, "Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, and that is God." and uh, he says, "But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments, and that same enter into life could be translated." Uh, the same as to get or to receive eternal life. Uh, some of the other translations, I think, bring that out. Some of the commentators said, uh, you know, that's that's really Jesus was answering that question. He said, you need to obey the commandments of God, and that is true. I believe we need to live in obedience to God, His commandments, if we want to be recipients of eternal life, as our letter E would uh, dictate. The young man, in verse 20, he said, What lack I yet? All these things uh, have I kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? And uh, I think it's a question that we need to be honest about. Maybe we need to ask God, What lack I yet? This man, I'll give him credit for asking that question. Uh, he seemed to, I don't know, I just sense a sense of smugness about him as he, he asked Jesus these questions. And he said, Well, okay, I've done pretty good. And... Uh, Then he said, but yet, lack I, this seemed like there was something lacking in his life. At least that's the interpretation I get from the scripture, that even he had lived up to all the commandments of the scripture, yet there was something lacking. There was an emptiness in there. And uh, so he kept pressing Jesus, what lack I yet? And then Jesus put his finger right on the thing that hurt the most. And he said, you've got to go and sell all that you have and give to the poor, and then you will have treasure in heaven. You know, I think it's a question we need to ask God, what lack I yet. But you know, I think in the same sense, we need to be prepared for the answer that Jesus is going to give us. If we're, if we're honest enough to ask Jesus that question, if we're honest enough to ask God that question, we need to be prepared for the answer. And I don't think this young man was prepared because it says that, uh, when the young man heard that saying, he went away very, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. He was not ready for that answer that, that he was not serious enough about it. It hurt and uh, I'd like to think I don't know the scripture doesn't tell us I'd like to think that after several days maybe a month maybe a year that he reconsidered and said you know I think that lack that emptiness is still there in my heart and life and he started liquidating he started selling and uh... laid up treasure in heaven so we ask that question I think we need to be prepared for the answer from God be prepared to make the right choices in light of eternity. I believe, and I want to say along with that, I believe God and I want to say this carefully, I don't know that that's a, a cut and dried answer, but you know, I think this man, Jesus knew the heart of this man and he knew his his uh his heart was in his things, obviously. And uh I believe it's possible I believe it's possible to be possessors of things with God's blessing and and allow God to disperse through those things. Uh, you being a channel of those things, but again, holding them very loosely. And again, that's a challenge. And then Jesus goes on to say that, uh, uh, "Rarely I say that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And again, I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And then the disciples were challenged by that. They said, wow, how's this going to happen? <laughs> And then they start looking at themselves. And you know, that's our natural tendency. We start comparing ourselves among ourselves. The disciples said, well, we have left all and followed you. And, and, and you know, what are we going what's our experience going to be? And, uh, Jesus had some further instructions to give them, which maybe doesn't directly relate to our, but yet it does relate to our experience in life. Because I believe as we are faithful in what God has, has called us to do, there is blessing in doing that and a yieldedness and a peace that, 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 emptiness and and lacking in our lives that the the rich man here did not have 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 8 tells us that uh, for bodily exercise profiteth little but godliness is profitable unto all things having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come so that's talking about the life that is to come, talking about eternal life. The promise of life that is now. So God can add to the abundant life. As we live godly lives, it adds to the abundant life that God has promised us there in John ten, as the good shepherd, as he leads us, as we just sang. First uh, Timothy chapter six, verse twelve. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. The thought I wanted to bring out from that verse there, as Paul already it, he says, Lay hold on eternal life. We need to get a hold of it. Eternal life needs to be something that is real to us, something that will sustain us through the difficult times of life. It's something that we can, we can put our faith in, we can put our trust in. Keep heaven as your goal. Are you living life in black and white? And again, don't capitalize the I. Remember to keep first things first. And keep the E right next to the letter F. Don't let it be off in the distance somewhere. I was blessed as I was uh, read Barbara Bush, former first lady, a letter that she had written to her children, Faith, family and friends. It says, try and oh, try and oh boy how hard it is to find the good in people and not the bad. I remember many years ago that I wasted so much time worrying about my mother. I suffered so because she and I had a chemical thing between us. I loved her very much, but was hurt by her. And I'm sure that I hurt her a lot too. Grace Walker said to me once, think of all the lovely things your mother and all the things And all the things you love and are proud of her about. There are so many that I can't count them all. I think that I expected her to be perfect. Nobody is perfect, certainly not me. So look for the good in others and forget the other. Clara Barton, the founder and president of the Red Cross, was once reminded of a young friend who had done to her years earlier, was reminded of a young, of a wrong a friend had done to her years earlier. Don't you remember the friend said? No, replied Clara firmly. I distinctly remember forgetting that. That's not bad advice. Take a lesson from your dad. He says that when I remind him that someone has been hateful, isn't it better to make a friend than an enemy? He's right. Don't talk about money, either having it or not having it. It's embarrassing for others, and quite frankly, it's not right. Do not buy something that you cannot afford. You do not need it. If you really need something and can't afford it, Call home. That's what family is all about. Do not try to live up to your neighbors. They won't look down on you if you don't have whatever they have. They will look down on you if you buy things that you can't afford, and they will know it. They are only invested in their possessions, not yours. Be sure that you pay people back. If you have dinner at their house or they take you out, have them back. Remember, you don't need the expensive things. You can make the best spaghetti in the world. People love to come to your house. Plan ahead, and it will be fun. Value your friends. They are your most valuable asset. Remember loyalty. It's a two-way street. It goes up and it goes down. So be loyal to those people who are loyal to you and even those who are not. Your dad is the best example of two-way loyalty that I know. Love your children. I don't have to tell you that. You are the best children any two people have ever had. I know you will be lucky. Your children are great. Dad and I love, dad and I love them more than life itself. And I think you know that about your dad as well as I do. Remember what Robert Fulgham says, don't worry what your children never, don't worry that your children never listen to you, but worry that they're always watching you. Remember to enjoy life. Don't cry over things that were or things that aren't. Enjoy what you have now to the fullest. In all honesty, you really only have two choices. You can like what you do or you can dislike it. I choose to like it and what fun it has been. The other choice is to The other choice is no fun, and people do not want to be around whiners. We can always find people who are worse off than we, and we don't have to look very far either. Help them and forget self. I will certainly say, above all else, seek God. He will come to you if you look. There is absolutely no downside in this. Please expose your children and set good examples for them by going to church. We, your dad and I, have tried to live Christian lives as live a Christian life as well as we could. We certainly have not been perfect, but maybe you can keep trying.